Welcome to the Country Hipster Podcast. My name is Paul. I am the Country Hipster. Um, as you can see, Adam is not here. Uh, so the uh, so we're going to have a couple little bit of a different format for the next couple weeks here. Uh, we're basically up against the Christmas holiday and a New Year's holiday. And Adam, with his work schedule, got all fucking crazy. And then, you know, we generally uh, will film on Sundays to put the podcast out on Thursday. But um, we haven't been able to, to, we weren't able to get together last week because Adam wasn't feeling well. And um, now, now we, we are right before Christmas and uh, then uh, New Year's. So we're, uh, we have some random episodes uh, that are going to be going on this week. And um, so first off, first off, Merry Christmas to everybody out there and Merry Christmas to our special guest. Our guest host today is none other than Sean the, from the Unholy Four, who wrote the music that you heard at the beginning there for our theme song, Dirty Knife. So, hello, Sean. Welcome welcome back. Hello. Yes, Sean was also on our uh, Fugazi episode a couple weeks back. So, um, so welcome back to the Country Hipster Podcast. I have, I have some questions for you. You aren't ready for this. You're getting interviewed. So, oh, can't so wait. First off, what wait. I have a question for you. Um, did you say you were sick last week or Adam was sick? No, Ad- Adam wasn't feeling well, like, over the weekend and whatnot. Like, he was – it's funny because he messaged me on Sunday after um, my uh, – after the Wine and Vinyl event uh, by uh, Ottsville Record Garage. He messaged me and was like um, – Hey, do we have a guest for tonight? Um, and I was like, no, no, we don't. It's just going to be uh, me and you. He's like, all right, um, hold on. I got to sneeze. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. So, um, so he was like, yeah, I'm, you know, he's like, we don't have a guest. I'm like, no, it's just me and you. And he's like, all right, well, um, would you be terribly pissed if I like called it a day? I woke up this morning and I felt like shit. And then I had to take my son to a, um, uh, like a, eight-year-old's birthday party and it was a pool party he's like and i felt even worse afterwards and i was like dude don't don't even worry about it because i i had just finished up the wine and vinyl um and i was personally pretty exhausted too so i was like fuck it nah they'll just you know don't worry about it. and that's when i messaged you um to see if you uh you had a random record you wanted to talk about and you did um and uh we'll get into that in a second so yeah so that that's where we are all right so here we go interview interview time okay (laughs) so first of all actually number one i i want to see if you if you're better prepared for this one what is the name of your business that you run (laughs) (laughs) moon salvage and surplus okay uh, the physical location is in the ruckersville gallery in ruckersville virginia um then i guess there's ebay and etsy and all those kind of things okay cool cool and then i got i gotta get make sure so secondly is i see you have a mug there what are you what are you drinking um (laughs) i'm drinking tea as a matter of fact i'm a little under the weather oh you're under the weather too well i guess that's the good thing about skype that uh you know we we can do this i'll be all right Hmm. i am drinking um i'm drinking wine tonight um this is a wine called Bull's Blood. Um, it is a dry red wine from Eger, E-G-E-R. I'm assuming that's how you say it. Um, it is a uh, Hungarian wine. Um, the beauty about this wine, so so if you like dry reds, it's it's a pretty good wine. It's it's not it's not overly dry. It doesn't like suck all the moisture out of your uh, out of your mouth. But it is drier. But it has some hints of like. I want to say fruit forward, but it's got, it's got like hints of sweetness, um, fruit forwardness. Um, and the best part about this wine is that it is $8 and 99 cents. So it's pretty fucking amazing. Uh, I've had it a bunch of times. Um, and, uh, it's just a good drinkable wine. So I am drinking wine tonight cause that's the mood I'm in. I like it. Yeah. I was going to ask you if that was from the wine and vinyl thing, but at eight ninety nine, it's probably from the supermarket, right? <laughs> it, uh, it's yeah. Well, it's it's uh, it's from the state store. They do sell wine in the supermarkets now in Pennsylvania, but um, but I got this from the uh, from the LCB uh, state store. So in Pennsylvania, if you're not familiar, there are um, where you have to buy. You can buy wine and beer up to certain quantities in uh, um, uh, supermarkets and certain certain shops now. 
Um, but as far as like the actual spirits, like if you want vodka or whiskey or brandy or anything like that, you actually have to go to a state controlled store to buy your alcohol. Um, I remember one of the coolest fucking things ever about visiting you down in Charlotte's was when we went into Harris Teeter and there was like a whole fucking aisle of like nothing but beer and shit like that. Yeah, beer and wine you can buy at the at the supermarket, and then uh, but booze you have to go to the ABC store. Okay, so you guys got the same same type of setup down there. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Cool. 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 So, um, uh, so first off, you wrote the song "Dirty Knife," right? I did. Yeah. And uh, people don't usually get to hear the lyrics as we're um, as we're playing because <laughs> we usually cut out beforehand. But what is "Dirty Knife" about? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> dirty knife, the, the title dirty knife kind of at the time I thought it meant like, like the shit you can't hide, you know, like the skeleton, the shit you want to hide, like skeletons in the closet kind of thing. Okay. You know, but, but in hindsight, I think what, what the lyrics are actually about is maybe my band at the time kind of falling apart. <laughs> All right. All right. And yeah, because I wrote it for a different, I wrote it for the band before, um, Unholy Ford. It was kind of rejected by that band. So then it was the first song that the Unholy Four ever did. Together. Okay. So it's not about a hot butter knife scraping off someone's ear, is what you're saying. <laughs> Listen, man, these things are open to interpretation. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what you get from it. You're, you're welcome to it. All right. All right. So, <laughs> so do you do you have any plans for Christmas? Since it's like literally days away. No, nothing. Just a day off. Just a day, yeah, off. Just a day off. I'm, I'm working. I just ended up working like, like I'm working like, ten days or something, or, or like, up until New Year. So I'm happy to just take the day off. And okay, that's nice. That's, I'm gonna slowly move this over so it doesn't look like I'm looking off to the side, um, just from, from the camera there. So hopefully, yeah, we didn't lose you. So that's good. Um, what are you doing for Christmas? For Christmas, so so. Um, Christmas Eve, we're having a, a couple people over here. Katie's brother is coming over and, and uh, her nephew. I'm going to make a nice fucking prime rib. It's going to be fucking good. It's going to be delicious. I'm going to make a prime rib. I'm making all gratin potatoes, which I don't like, but Katie does. So I'm making them for her and um, some other shit. And we're just going to hang out. Jack will be here. Um, you know, we'll hang out with Regina and, and whatnot. And then Christmas Day, I believe my niece Kelsey is going to be stopping by in the morning. And then, so, so this, this is what I was going to say. If you have no plans for Christmas and I know you already saw it, but you should do it again. Just make it a Christmas tradition. Go back and watch the country hipster podcast Christmas episode. <laughs> Cause why not? It's Christmas. But, um, uh, so one of the things that came out of that, that episode was kind of funny. Um, so, uh, my stepmom Debbie was, uh, uh, watching it on black Friday when it came out, uh, her and Adam and, uh, I think Zach were sitting there watching it and, um, friend of the podcast, Zach from summer movie club. And, um, I'd mentioned about, um, you know, how, how Debbie's 100% Italian and, and I've never, you know, you know, she married my dad when I was like 10 years old, something like that, nine, 10 years old. But like, I always wanted to go to the, uh, the, uh, feast of the seven fishes and never got the opportunity. So middle of while she's watching it, she just texts me. She's like, we're doing the seven fishes this year. You know, what I mean? and you will be there. I was like, Oh fuck, seriously. But, um, normally that the tradition is that you do it on Christmas Eve, but, um, our brother Zach has to work on Christmas Eve and he works overnights as well, as well as Adam does. Um, so we're actually going to do it on Christmas day. So like, you know, everybody could be there and whatnot. So that's, that's what we're doing Christmas day. Um, so it's not too bad. And you know, and it's, it's not technically Regina's first Christmas. It's technically her second Christmas, but like she was literally like 20 days old last year on Christmas. So, um, but we do have some gifts for her and, you know, do Santa Claus as much as we can. And, you know, um, she doesn't, you know, obviously don't understand that yet, but, um, but yeah, so that's, that's our, that's our Christmas plan. So it'll be nice. Sounds good to me. Mm -hmm. Do you have any new year's resolutions? <laughs> Uh, no, I haven't thought of any. I guess some have been kind of thrust upon me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, uh, I'm doing some physical therapy stuff for old injuries. So I kind of have to adhere to that. So okay. that's sort of like my New Year's resolution. There you go. And it does, it does mean like, you know, less indulgence and things. Oh, no, that's no. Is that why you're drinking tea? No, I'm drinking tea because I <laughs> legitimately just don't feel so <laughs> But yeah, that's okay. It's, it's, Fair it's enough. Good. It's no problem. It's not a problem. All right, all right. 
So, so now the most important question um, is: so you were on, uh, you were on our uh, episode a few weeks back uh, where we where we talked about Fugazi Repeater. How much has your life changed since being on the Country Hipster podcast the first time? Has it been like an earth shattering, life changing experience? Like, do you, are people like sending you fan mail constantly? Like, what what's going on with that? It's the big break I've been waiting for for all after all these years. Um, yeah. uh, my sister liked it. I can tell you that much. <laughs> she was like, "When are you going to go back on there and tell more stories?" <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Um, does she have a new DVD coming out? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no all right. So, um, so like I said, this is a random record episode, and you selected it when I hit you up on Sunday. Actually, after I found out that Adam couldn't do this. I was like, man, pick up, pick an album, pick any album you want, and um, and let's do it. And you chose the 1990 self-titled release by the English rock band The Laws. Um, so, why? Why did you choose this album? Um, I heard it sort of by accident, you know, through like streaming stuff. It, it, you know, the feature where like if you like, if you listen to this, you'll like this kind of thing. It just right. kind of went rogue, and I kept hearing more and more of it. And I was sort of like, what is this, you know? I, so I, you know, got into it, started playing it a couple times. I don't really listen to music the way I used to. You know, when yep. I was a kid, I would sit there and like devour and read like who the producer was and stuff. Now I just, I don't even know the songs. I just like listen in the periphery, you know? Right. And uh, I just, I don't know, something really compelling about it, you know? And then um, I don't really know anything about it. I didn't look it up too much. I was just sort of like, how did I miss this record, you know? And okay. then when I asked you, I think, and you were like, I don't know. Like, how did we miss it? Because I think it's a great record. I think we would have really liked it in 1990. But, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Do you own it? Do you own a copy on vinyl? Or are you just I don't know. if I get a chance to buy one, I'll I'll buy one. Okay. No. All right. So so I will give some quick factoids about the album since we always get into the factoids. Yeah. Um, this is the only studio album from the English rock band, and it was released in 1990. I believe it was October of 1990. It includes the song There She Goes, which is their biggest hit, as well as the single Timeless Melody, um, which I was I was familiar with Timeless Melody. I didn't know that was the laws. I really didn't. You know, it was like one of those songs like Timeless Melody is one of those songs where I had heard but didn't actually know who it was by or, you know, anything like that. It was just like kind of one of those background songs that was somewhat familiar when, when it came up. Um, this album was named by Rolling Stone magazine as one of the 40 greatest one album wonders of all time. Um, wow, I didn't know that. Yep. Yeah, the Laws as a band were active from 1983 to 1992, so for about nine years there, but they only did one studio album. Um, NME, uh, which is another magazine, uh, listed this album, and I think this is this is... I think this is kind of crazy as a listing, but the NME magazine listed this album as 153 on the list of the 500 greatest albums of all time. I think that's a little, um, as far as 500 greatest, it doesn't tell me what year that was, but like 500 greatest albums of all time. I don't, I don't know that this cracks that list. Um, and definitely doesn't crack the top 200 <laughs> if, it, if it does, you know what I mean? But you know, that's all subjective. The album itself peaked at number 30 on the UK album charts and peaked at 196 on the Billboard uh, 200 in 1990-91. Uh, um, so those are the main factoids about the album. So I just real quick, let's just get into it. Let's get it out of the way and talk about it. Let's talk about There She Goes. So so we have some, we have some more factoids on that. That single sold over 600,000 units in the UK. So in the UK, just a single, there she goes, is um, is uh, rated platinum. Uh, it peaked at 49 on the Billboard, in the US Billboard Hot 100, and number two on the Modern Rock Tracks in 1991. Um, there's some covers of it. Uh, there's a really nice cover by uh, the band Sixpence None to Richer, uh, which peaked at number 32 on the Billboard Hot 100 when that was released in 1997. And this song, There She Goes, was also featured in the 1993 Mike Myers movie, So I Married an Axe Murderer. Um, but that was performed by the Boo Radleys. Uh, the the Laws version is on the soundtrack, but I don't think the Laws version is in the movie. I think on in the movie itself, it's the Boo Radleys cover of uh, There She Goes. 
Cool thing about that movie is that it is the precursor of Mike Myers' Fat Bastard uh, from Austin Powers. Are you familiar with So I Married an Axe Murderer? I have seen it. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's been a while. So, so, so he, you know, besides the character that Mike Myers is playing, he also plays his father, um, kind of like does yep. the does the Eddie Murphy thing, and his father's his father is Scottish, um, and he like yeah. you know so basically like he it's basically fat bastard as an old man, uh, but skinnier. Um, yeah. Now here's here's actually the coolest thing, and and it's it's ironic enough that it's all Scottish bands because I believe the 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 last band I'm going to talk about is Scottish. Um, so the other cool thing about that album, that movie and that soundtrack is that it features, uh, the Bay city Rollers Saturday night, which is, you see the, uh, the Mike Myers is the old Scottish guy S a T O R D A Y, you know, going around like that. Um, but the album, the soundtrack also features one of the greatest 1990 bands, 1990s bands who covers Bay city Rollers Saturday night, Ned's Atomic Dustbin. They do a cover of it on there, um, and uh, so I'm, and which which led me to believe because I'm like you know I put that all together with Mar- you know it's like a direct line from um, so I married an axe murderer to Ned's Atomic Dustbin. Um, why not, why aren't we talking about Godfather? God? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because. Um, I could have picked any record that I've spent like a lot of time with. <laughs> right. But this one I thought was interesting. I don't know anything about it. No, uh, no. But I haven't spent a lot of time. No, that's cool. Actually, actually what I have to do, I'm actually glad we're not talking about Godfather because I think this, this is, this is the point. I mean, and you actually have more records than I do. So I know this is, this happens to you all the time. I actually think I have a copy of Godfather in my personal collection. Well, I, yeah, I know you sent me one. Yeah, and if I so, if I do, I'm probably going to talk about it on season two. So, um, yeah. So I'm kind of glad we're not talking about Godfather for that reason. But um, are they I English or are they Scottish? I think they're Scottish. They I actually think they're Scottish, which I think is one of the things when the, when the video came out with the you know from the soundtrack for us. So I married an ox murder. I think that was like one of the things where like. You know, they kind of said, "Oh, it's the Basin Rollers who are Scottish," and you have the Scottish alt band Ned's Atomic Dustbin, who's who's doing a cover of it, kind of passing, passing the torch. But I mean, Ned's Atomic Dustbin, besides uh, Godfather, and then this, you know, that cover, like, never really took off beyond that. So, um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. So I, I I do think there she goes is is different um, from the uh, from the, actually from the rest of the album. It's definitely more poppy, and I definitely understand how that was, um, you know, kind of like the big hit, um, even playing it. It's a very, you know, it's a very pop chord progression. I played it. I've played it in some of my solo shows where it's just like basically the GCD or GDC, you know what I mean? Throw the A minor. And, uh, it's a very, very, very standard chord progression. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a good song. It's a good song. So what, what are your overall feelings about, um, the laws self-titled 1990 release? Um, I, I really wish that pop music sounded like that. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, I really wish there were more guitars, more harmony, vocals and things like that. So wait, real quick. Now, when you say that, are you talking about specifically there she goes? Are you talking about this album as a whole? I'm talking about the whole album. Really? So, so, okay. Okay. Go on. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I think that they, they, the way that they made, I don't even know if it was popular. I don't know if it was popular. I don't know the, 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 how much success the album had. I really don't. I don't know anything. Uh, just um, moderate, moderate success. Like I said, in the, in the, in the, it had more success um, in the UK. It, you know, in the in US, it only it only broke the top two hundred as like for a whole album. Um, so I think it's just like one of those things, which is which is what we were talking about. I was I was surprised that. You know, because it did have much more success in the UK. I was surprised that this was their only studio album, because that happens a lot. Yeah, where there's there's bands who like like look at the band Big Country. They have one song in the Big Country, which is huge in the US, and that's it. And that's all you know about them in the US. But if you go beyond, you know, our little you know little section of the world here, Big Country has like twenty albums, and they're fucking like renowned all over the world. Yeah. Yeah, right. But um but this band who you would uh, think would have a similar success does not. I know. That's interesting. 
And I, yes. I like, I think it's great pop music because, like you said, the chord, the three chord thing, uh -huh. they, they play songs in a way that are like, they're derivative, right? Like the harmony vocal thing and, uh -huh. the, and the basic chord thing. But I think they do it in a really unique way. And I think that is the mark of great pop music where like it's familiar, you know, mm -hmm. but it, but it's uniquely, it's unique to them at the same time. I think the guy's voice is really compelling too. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was like looking up on like trying to find videos on uh, YouTube of them performing just so I could see what he looked like. Yeah. Know? I just thought his voice was so compelling, you know? Yeah, uh, it, it yeah. is interesting. Like, I, I kind of put this album as like a mix of like folk, art, con alt country, and pop. You know, um, yeah. like I, I, I actually I wouldn't go so far as to call it like indie rock. It's definitely like alt alternative, but like I wouldn't go indie rock, and, and I wouldn't even go modern rock because I know that was like kind of like a, a synonym for for alternatives. Like, oh, modern rock and the modern rock charts. Eh, eh, you know, it's it's more it's more of a folk album. Uh, with with pop tendencies, I think than than you know a full fledged like alternative album or any or anything like that, and and it is it is kind of cool because it kind of has to to an extent it has like a punk rock feel to it in the sense that of of the twelve songs on the album, ten of them are under three minutes, one of them yeah. is just over three minutes at three minutes and one second, and then the twelfth song is almost eight minutes long. <laughs> yeah so so it well, is... it's, it's you know it's punk rock but again it's also i think it's a great formula for pop music too you yes know I mean? yep 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 yeah it's 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 a weird album i will say that i think i think it's a weird album um and it's just i don't know if it's an album for me overall it's like it's it's not bad by any means. I, I wouldn't say it was bad by any means. It's just kind of like all over the place. And I think after there she goes, it kind of um, progresses a, more away from like, like the poppiness and maybe a little more folky and it gets weird and not necessarily for the better in my opinion. Yeah. So, um, but it's definitely it's definitely an, an an interesting album. I'll say that it was it was an interesting listen. Um, I did not I did not mind listening to it. It was it was kind of fun to listen to it, and you know. But it, it again, I I always go back to there she goes, where it's just like even even the recording of that song seems different than the recording of the rest of the album. It actually seems more polished, more bright. Um, like it's like it's like almost like they were like, all right, you got this one really good song. And um, we're gonna put all of our effort into this, and then you'll do it. We'll, we'll give you a whole album, but this song's gonna be the one that like we put the most effort in. That, that could very well be, you know. Yep. That could be. I actually I like the production on it too, considering the time that it came out. Yes. You know, it it, it could have sounded really awful, <laughs> like yeah. a lot of things did at that time. But that, I thought it sounded pretty pretty great. That no, that's tr that's true. I I agree. I know. Um. Uh. So, so it kind of like the overall sound, I, I don't know if you get this, reminds me of really early, like teenage fan club. Yep. Do you get, you, I was get, thinking of you get that as well? Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. 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 Are they not also Scottish? Am I crazy? Are they not also Scottish? Oh, no, they are Scottish actually. <laughs> teenage fan club is also Scottish actually. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. never got in. Did you ever get into them? No, I, I, I have the first one somewhere, a copy of it and yeah. I like it. You know, but I never got like crazy into them. Yeah, that's one of those bands where like I know a lot of people are like way into their deep tracks and shit like that. I I kind of liked the first album and never really got into it that far. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, no, this does have this does have a little bit of that feel. I I, I almost wonder if they just got caught up in like like the the laws in general got caught up in that like early nineties, like sound where it was like transitioning from hair metal to grunge with some alt throw in. And like, nobody really knew what to do with the band, like the, the proper way and yeah. just kind of let them like linger out there. And then they were just like, fuck this. We're, we're done. You know? Yeah. Yeah. As, um, as tends to happen. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> Being like band, I don't know what record label it was on. I assume it was a really big one, right? Uh, actually, Go Disc. 
is apparently the label they were on. No. I, I can't. I didn't see who who it was distributed by. And if I try to look that up right now, we'll actually totally lose you on the screen. So, <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, because like you guys were talking about it on a different episode um, about grunge. Did grunge just kind of take over all of alternative music? It, it kind of seemed like it kind of did. I mean, well, well, think about that. Think about like when we were, you know, like, en- entering like high school. Chamber you know? band Beethoven. <laughs> well, yeah, Cameraman T- Beethoven was like kind of like a different thing. That was definitely like that wasn't grungy. That was more like you know like alter alternative, hundred twenty minutes type of shit. But like also, like Campervan Beethoven wasn't the biggest band. Nirvana, was, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like stuff that sounded like that. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah, Nirvana. You know, but but what's funny? So I was actually for some reason I was thinking about this the other day. Like, um, look at like um, Lollapalooza '92, right? Uh, which was the uh, was it ninety? Yeah, it was the second Law of Palooza ninety two. And I, I wanted to go. The closest it came to Philly was to Scranton, and my mom Regina, let's give it up for Regina, would not let me go. Even though I had friends going and I had places to stay and all that kind of stuff, and tickets actually were only like forty bucks for for a festival like that. But but like I was thinking about that lineup, and not that I like a lot of these bands, but like. I almost feel as if it was like kind of like almost like a, a, a missed experience. Um, I believe it was Soundgarden opened up Lollapalooza that year. The okay. second band after them was Pearl Jam. Yeah, you know what I mean. So it's like like I'm not I'm not sound I'm not a Soundgarden fan. I'm not a necess- I'm not a Pearl Jam fan. But like when you see what those bands became, to think of that's your one two punch yeah. on this on this festival to have you know. Um, Soundgarden, followed by Pearl Jam, followed by Lush. Then you had Ice Cube was on it. Um, Jesus and Mary Chain played it. Um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers were actually the headliner. Um, and I can't, I can't remember the rest of the artists who were who were on that Lollapalooza, um, especially the one that went in the Scranton. But I mean, just it was just like pretty fucking amazing. It was a pretty amazing lineup. And you it, did go to eight Lollapalooza though, didn't you? I went to two Lollapaloozas. I went, I went in '93 uh, and I went in '94. So, okay. Um, which which were both cool. They were both cool experiences. '94 I didn't get to until later in the day. I ended up having to work the morning and then I left early and and then went. But I got, I got. It's funny because I got to Lollapalooza '94 right as the Breeders were ending their set, and so I got to hear them play Cannonball. So I was like, all right, cool. <laughs> and then, and then after that, Nick Cave came on, followed by George Clinton, which was which was really cool. Um, but like, uh, I think '93 had had a much more solid um, lineup altogether than '94, which is actually funny because because Nirvana was supposed to be the headliner of Lollapalooza '94, and then you know Kurt went and you know offed himself. Kurt Cobain, let's let's hear for Kurt. Yeah, sure. So the Smashing Pumpkins ended up being the headliners, and um, after I heard Disarm, I left, and Disarm sounded like shit, and their their whole set was crap. They sounded like crap. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was not. Yeah, it was not good. It, it, back then, I was really into punk stuff, and I was pretty singular about it. You know, like I didn't really. I would have people, you know, friends of mine say, "Well, you should check out Pearl Jam or whatever," and I was like, "I don't know." You know, <laughs> it just didn't sound like what I wanted to hear at the time. When I hear that, when I hear that stuff now, like if it's on the radio or something, like it does strike me that a lot of really great singers came out of there. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't particularly care for the music or the way they sing or whatever, but like the guy from Soundgarden, that guy, oh, insane. Or like, yeah, like I, I can hear like something like Alice in Chains and be like, fuck, that guy can really sing, you know? Oh, it still doesn't make me want to go crank up some Alice in Chains or whatever because it's just not my thing, but. So you know, when I saw I, Alice in Chains at Lollapalooza '93, I actually found them to be like the most boring band, live band ever. Um, yeah. You actually saw them. Tell 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 the story about when you saw Alice in Chains. I did it was a it was a metal show, maybe '90 or '91 at the Spectrum, the old Spectrum. Uh-huh. Uh, it was the Clash of the Titans tour, which was Slayer, Megadeth, and Anthrax, and. Um, Alice in Chains was the opener. Yeah. And they had a terrible time. They were just getting booed. You know how Philly yeah. is. Well, nobody, but, had heard, nobody had heard of them. Yeah. And, and they pretty much got booed off the stage. You but know? but that was that was the thing. That was where it was transitioning from from you know, from the hair metal and, and the heavy metal. Um yeah. 
into the grunge alternative, which is where I think the laws kind of kind of get lost because they're 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 that weird alternative. Like I said, I think they're a little more folky than they are um, uh, necessarily like alt rock or anything like that. And and I think that's where. And like I said, I don't I don't particularly like I th- I think the second half of the album it gets weird. But it's still good. The album as a whole is still really good. It's just, it's kind of all over the place, you know? Yeah. I was here, what, what it reminded me of, and you, I don't know if you're going to agree with this or not, but there's like an acoustic guitar that kind of, play, uh-huh. like I can hear an acoustic guitar through a lot of it, and that kind of gave me like this Violent Femmes vibe. And I know the Violent Femmes are like a lot more raw and a lot right. more bare bones and stuff, but for some reason it, it in my mind I lumped it in with, somebody like that like a band like that you know i didn't i didn't think of that while listening to it but like now that you mention it yeah man i think i think you can draw a straight line from the violent femmes to the laws i think you know like like i think yeah there's definitely uh, especially especially when you get past the poppy violent femme stuff you yeah, know when you when you get into like um you know um uh, just more border albums beyond the first album you know or or actually even the first like i could see the laws doing in the kill or something like that yeah, you know, yeah. so yeah, you know, but that that which would be off the Violent Femmes first album, um, Friends of the Podcast, Violent Femmes. By the way, um, go check out that episode. We have that in our archives. <laughs> but um, oh, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, I don't. Really, yeah, it was it was a fun episode. We talked about the Violent Femmes. It was great. We all we all hate Blister in the Sun and love the rest of the album. So <laughs> you can only hear it so many times before you have to change the change the dialogue. Exactly. Exactly. But um no I I I I could definitely like like I didn't like I said I didn't think about it while while hearing it but I could like while listening to it but now that now that you mention it no I I don't think you're off by saying like you get like some violent femmes feel from it um you know, I, honestly it some of the songs on this album uh you know he was on our Pogues episode kind of kind of reminds me of of some of the like the folky original stuff like that's a little less irish by uh by uh my friend john byrne from the john byrne band um he was the he was our 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 boy from ireland who was on the pogues episode um and and i definitely got got the feel from from him uh from from this album to like that it made me think of like some of his stuff um which i you know i should have reached out to him just to see like hey what what did you do you do you listen were you inspired by this because definitely you know, especially uh, some of his like B B sides or like you know, um, not his popular stuff definitely has the same type of feel as uh, as like you know a lot of this stuff as well. So, well, I, I wondered about that. You know, and not not knowing anything about them made it really interesting for me to listen to them because I had no preconceived anything about it, and uh, I, I could hear like in the vocals, I, I think I hear like early Beatles kind of stuff. With certain songs, yeah, I can hear that in certain songs. Yeah, absolutely. I was imagining that maybe they had influenced bands like Oasis and stuff to come soon after, but I don't know. So, they, I, so here's the funny thing, and I and I agree. I, I I think I think there is, and I'm not I'm not really an Oasis fan, but I think there's a little bit you know of, of a of a line that goes there. La, I believe is uh, Liam. I mean, one of the Gallagher's. I I can't remember when I was looking at Wikipedia, but list there she goes as one of his all time favorite songs. Right. Yeah. yeah. That so. song has to be. Has that song been in like a million commercials and soundtracks? Oh, now? Like- it's it's all over the place. I mean, you have you have a lot of covers of it. Um, you have you know it's it's been in movies. It's been all over the place. I, like I said, I think my 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 earliest recollection of it is, and it's actually probably how I learned about the song was from "I Married an Axe Murder." I'm like, oh, that's a good fucking song. Um, right. And. Uh, but I do like uh, honestly, I like the Sixpence None to Whit Richer uh, version too because you have, you have the the female vocalist who's beautiful and her voice is beautiful and you know and and it's not the way they play it is not at all a departure from the way to lie like it's not like they did anything different to it you know because sometimes you'll get covers of songs where you're like oh shit that's a cover but like when you hear the original there's something a little bit different you know what I mean some you know the Sixpence None to Richer doesn't change anything in the song they just do it. They just literally just do a note for note song. No, it's it's pretty good. Um, and uh, when I've tried playing it, my hardest my hardest thing is the high notes, man. It's like it's some of those notes are like fucking difficult to hit. Um, back in my musical theater days, I could do it, but like right now, not so much. I've been drinking and smoking, and now I'm fat, and you know I can't get as much oxygen in my lungs. So, 
again, yeah, I, I thought the singing was so compelling and his his range. He goes, he's got this kind of gritty, gravelly thing going on, and then he hits those really great falsettos. And yep. I, I had to put a had to put a face to the voice, you know. Yeah. Really, no, there's really, there's some Dylan feel to this as well. You know, you, yeah. you definitely feel yeah. some feel some Bob Dylan, and I and I don't mean that in a bad way. I I love I love Bob Dylan. Huh. Um, yeah, me too. You know, so there's, there's, um, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot to this album. And like I said, it's a really, it's a really interesting album. Um, but I think I really, I just think it's one of those albums that really got missed in the, in the, uh, the early nineties getting like caught up with people don't know what to do with this, that, and the other thing until, and I think that's kind of like the, the, the thing, like, cause we've talked, we've talked, I always say a copycat syndrome, copycat syndrome. And it's like, you have like when you have genres that are changing, right. Like, like overall, like world change, like, like life changing genres. Like I hate them, but the Beatles are a genre changing band. You know what I mean? They, they change pop music. Elvis changed pop music. You know, Nirvana changed pop music. Um, you, you end up with bands where for a little bit of time, you don't, they get lost. They kind of get lost in the shuffle. It's not that they're, they're not, they're not even necessarily doing something that's that much different than, than the bands that are, that are doing it. Um, but they just don't do it as well, or they don't get recognized as much. And they kind of go to the wayside until everybody figures out the formula. And then you get the copycat syndrome. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what happened with, um, with the laws here. Like they, they, they were doing an alt rock thing. They were on their way. I think, I think maybe if this album came out three or four more years later, maybe it gets different, yeah. uh, like a different reception and, and has some longevity to it. Well, that's interesting because I thought to myself, maybe if I had heard it in 1990, maybe I wouldn't have liked it either. You know, I wasn't exactly that open-minded about stuff back then. And it, you know, it is really funny about like that. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, we, I, I think, uh, you know, I like, I think I was more open-minded to music than you were in our in our youth there. Um, but you know, I know I was de- definitely pretty stubborn in some stuff as well. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I was really lucky because. I always think about it in your house, um, especially, you know, your mom. I like your mom's taste in music. Uh-huh. I like I like Billy Joel. And, you know, I remember her showing me, like, Eric Clapton was doing something at Live Aid. She was like, come check this out. Yeah. You know? And and your brother, your you know, Michael has that whole, like, prog. Would I, would I associate with prog rock stuff like Yes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. But I like some of that stuff, too. And then your other brother was like heavy metal and punk rock and stuff. And then you were, you had more like the cure, things like that uh, and playing joke and that kind of stuff. So I, I always felt like I was really lucky to get all kinds of education when I went over to your house. Yeah. It was, it was yeah. actually funny when Brian got into a, um, a rap, uh, mode for a little while there. I was like, what the fuck are you listening to? What so, he was? Yeah. Yeah. It was just weird, but it like, wasn't even like good rap. It was like boys to men. Oh, that's weird. He's like, yeah, man, I like this shit. I'm like, all right, dude, like whatever. And then like two weeks later, he's like, let's go see Guar. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> he had, he had a, what, do you remember what the name of his metal band was? I do. Yeah. What was, what was the name of Brian's metal band? The name of his band, uh, to my knowledge, he only had one band. Right? Yes. Yeah. I believe it was the medieval douchebag warrior. That's what it was. <laughs> They wore the lab coats and goggles and shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. We stole their amplifiers. Remember? Because they were like, they, they, they had what, like two songs and one of them was Radio Armsaw, um, which yeah. was actually kind of catchy. Like, the, like I still remember the group. It was like, Radio, 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 Armsaw. It was kind of crazy. Yeah. But like they they left all their stuff there and like they had these like little gorilla amps, like these little fucking like, I don't even think they were 10 inch amps. I think they were like fucking five inch amps. And we were like, <laughs> all right, we're going to steal these and blow them out and learn how to play guitar. It was pretty crazy. We were playing with fire back then, man. I don't know what we were thinking. Oh man. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> we, we would go from the little fucking gorilla amps that we stole from Brian's fucking heavy metal band, um, to going to the basement where, uh, <laughs> Michael's band used to like his cover bands would re- would uh, uh, rehearse um, and like throwing on fucking Marshall half stacks and picking up fucking limited edition Les Pauls and just fucking going crazy on that shit. 
I will say I am surprised that like Michael seriously did not straight fucking kill us at any point. Yeah, I, I always took that to to mean that like he either maybe kind of liked us a little bit or just had or just thought we were pathetic. Or something. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not sure either. I don't know. I I I don't. Th- I don't think he liked us from like. 12 to like 19 i'm pretty sure he, he was not he was not a fan of us at all um especially okay. when we would we would use all of his gear and just fucking go nuts on it and that was always kind of like the that was always kind of the thing like oh wait when's mike gonna be home oh like in like an hour all right let's go play his shit and then like we of course he would either come home early or we would like extend past the time he was going to come home and be like what are you doing oh, you get all pissed off then you go tell my mom you're like mom I'm like, oh, shut up, dude! You we, fucking asshole. We had had our gear. We wouldn't have had to fuck with his, right? I mean, True. We, we just didn't have it. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. that we just liked fucking up his shit. We just didn't have it. Right, right. We didn't have. We didn't have shit of our own. We had like fucking you know fifty dollar guitars and fucking blown out gorilla amps that we stole. So, <laughs> so it was cool. So it was cool. So, so do you have any any other thoughts about about this album here? No, I just, I just. I think it's an interesting record. I think if, if anybody hasn't heard it, they should give it a shot. You know, I think it's, I think it's pretty. Yeah, I I think that I think that's probably the best description. It definitely is interesting. I think you like it a little bit more than I like it overall. Um, but I, I don't dislike it. I just I think especially the second half gets a little bit weird. I think, um, you know, um, but interesting is definitely the way to put it. And I, and I don't I don't. I don't regret listening to it. You know, that's for sure. It's not like uh, some of the shit that Adam's had me listen to uh, over the last uh, few months. But, um, yeah. but yeah, no, no. I, I think, think it's fun that you struggle with some of his choices. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So so do you have a uh, top three favorite songs on this album? I don't even have the track list. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you my three. My three are obviously There She Goes. It's a great song. Timeless Melody, which is the song that I that I had heard at least. It was a single that was released, so I was at least like, okay, I kind of know this song. Um, I had not that, but I love it. Okay, yeah. and then I have a tie for number three between Feeling and Way Out. Um, I think I like Way Out a little bit more, um, but uh, Feeling would be uh, very like like it's almost like a three A three B. Um, so you since you don't know, do you have an idea? So you wouldn't even have an idea for a least favorite. Um, so I'll just tell you my least favorite is looking glass, yeah. you know, which is so, the last song. And it's uh, basically eight minutes of my life that I can't get back. So <laughs> what was it called? last uh, looking glass. It's the last song on the album. It's the eight minute song where it's just kind of like one of those things where it's like, dude, everything is like no longer than three minutes. And then you throw this eight minute song and it's not like it's, it's, there's like a bunch of stuff going on. It's an eight minute repetitive song. It's just kind of like, you couldn't cut this down to two minutes too, or three minutes, you know? And, and how were they around for nine years and they only had that many songs to put on that record? That's what's interesting. They probably had more and they just never, you know, they never recorded them. I'm not, you know, it, 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 it obviously the album had some sort of success to get, where was it again? Hold on, let me go back to the factoids. Um, for it to get... Uh, da, 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 da. For it to hit... Where the fuck did it go? Oh, um... Did, for, it, for the album, and it wasn't just the, the song, There She Goes. There She Goes is like a whole different thing, right? So that, that, that you know... That that sold six hundred thousand units in the UK. It you know what I mean. It 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 did chart pretty well in the US. That the single, but even the album peaked. It it was number thirty on the UK album charts of nineteen ninety ninety one. So it's not like it was like, you know, in the US. I get it in the US. It just hit the Billboard two hundred. It just made the two hundred. It peaked at one ninety six, and then probably dropped. A lot of that's probably because of the song. There there she goes. But like. It did well in the UK, which is why, like I said, I, I think it's 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 amazing that they only had one studio album, and they didn't they didn't pick up anything else or or, or go further, you know, beyond, um, you know, this album. It it, it really is kind of like mind boggling. It's like what what is going on here? So yeah, 
It's all very, it seems very mysterious. It does. It does. But like you look on the Wikipedia, apparently there was no drama. It was just, it, you know, they, like, they don't even mention the breakup of the, like, that's one of the things, like when you look up these things and you, you know, you, you see the legacy of the band, they don't even talk about a breakup or a demise or even an official, like, Hey, yeah, fuck it. We're out. You're like nothing like that. It's just kind of like, yeah, you're active here. And then they kind of got back together in like the, the late nineties, early two thousands and whatever. And like, that was it. But they never recorded oh. another studio album. And it's just like, all right, it's just weird. It was it was kind of like, all right, guys, like this is done. Have a nice day, yeah. So, yeah. so it was weird. So, but um, I guess so. Yeah. So uh, obviously, since this is a random record episode, there's no Regina factor, and we don't have the Discogs value since uh, neither one of us actually own a copy of this album. I will say that I played this album. Actually, I did play it a few times for Regina. So if we were going to do like a true Regina factor on it, she was pretty yeah. indifferent to it. She pretty much fell asleep um which uh you know which is okay you know so uh, she didn't hate it i don't think she hated it she just you know she was just kind of like whatever dad i'm i'm going to sleep your music's lame um so so that's it so i don't want to upset you know yeah no definitely don't want to upset regina so she's like she's like this fucking close to walking man like she she could do it like i think she could do it if she wanted to i think she just doesn't want to and of course I do everything for her. It's, it's amazing. The difference between like how she is with Katie and how she is with me, like Katie will hold her and like, she'll give her like a cup or a bottle and Regina will just grab it and start drinking it. I'm like, Oh, okay. So I hold, I hold Regina. I go to give her a cup or a bottle and she just lets it drop until I pick it up for her. Then she'll drink it. I'm like, the fuck? It's like, you know, you know how to hold this. You just know that I'm going to hold it for you. So that's like, she's working you. She is working me. She is. And you know what? Fuck it. She can work me all she wants. Like, I'm just like, all right, cool. Like you want, you want me to hold your bottle for you? Hold your cup for you? Fuck it. I'll hold your cup for you. You want me to, you want me to spoon feed you? I'll spoon feed you. <laughs> oh, she is adorable. She is adorable. She is awesome. But she's very, very close to walking. Um, you know, she's doing this thing where like she'll be down on the floor and she'll like bend the one knee. So like her foot's on the floor and she'll keep the other knee bent. So her knees on the floor and she'll like drag herself across the floor with that. It's like really weird. I'm like, why don't you just stand up and walk? It's just like, come on. But, uh, but no, no. So, so you never, you never want to upset Regina. So I actually, I actually got a, like, like a full night's sleep last night. She's been going through some sleep regression, but last night was wonderful. It was, it was, it was great. It was great. So well, that's good. All right. Yes, I know, I know. So you, you got, you're good. You got, you got anything else to say about this album? No, man. Maybe we could do like a like a poll about it. You know, mm. see who else digs this out. Absolutely. We actually on all of our episodes. Actually, if you if you if you listen to them on Spotify, we actually do have polls. We have a Q and A in polls, so you can actually um, you can go and you can uh, answer the poll or um, put put something in whatever the Q and A question is there, an open ended question, so to speak. Um, and you can actually, uh, give us your feedback. And, uh, and of course on, on YouTube, there's always the comments, um, all the other platforms. I have no idea if they show that stuff or not. Um, cause I don't see them. I only see, uh, the, uh, the YouTube stuff and the, uh, the Spotify stuff. So, but, uh, so next, next week's episode and the, and the episode after they're kind of like, like little random record episodes. Um, next, next week's episode, I'll just tell you it is, um, um, it was interesting. Um, it was a band called Blitz and Trapper, and the album is Fur. Um, this was the, uh, the selection of a special guest, Kristen, who a uh, friend of the podcast. She was on the Cure episode, the NXS episode, uh, the Decemberist episode, and the They Might Be Giants episode. So this is actually her fifth appearance on our uh, on our podcast here. But it's just me and her again. We're doing it uh, via the Max Hedrum box, which is a uh, Sean, you look great as Max Hedrum, just so you know. I just wanted you to know that. Appreciate it. Thanks. Pretty wonderful. Feels good. Yes, yes, yes. So that will be next week's episode. The week after that is our special beer episode where um, we do like a full tasting. We have Bob uh, who was a, who was on our boxcar racer and also our pet sounds episode. He's our special guest and our beer extraordinaire from village ale works. Um, And uh, we, we test, we taste test the, uh, the, uh, three brews that um uh jack and i recently made which is a cream ale a irish stout and a black and tan um so we'll uh i'm not going to say anything else about it i'll leave it there because that's like two weeks from now so 
Um, so we are in the midst of the uh, the holiday season, so that's why we're getting some uh, some random record uh, episodes here. But that's okay. We'll be back to format in a few weeks. Um, and uh, you know, like I said, uh, this is this is a couple days before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everybody out there. Anybody who already celebrated Hanukkah, Happy Hanukkah to you guys. I don't know much about Kwanzaa, so Happy Kwanzaa and Diwali and whatever ep- whatever holidays are out there. Happy holidays to everybody who uh, um, celebrates them. And, um, you know, Sean, you you enjoy Sunday and Monday, buddy. Sunday and Monday? Yeah, well, that's Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. So it's basically just Sunday and Monday for you. Listen, man, I enjoy every day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah, and, uh, I will. You do the same. Yep, yep, yep. And go back, and uh, if you have nothing going on in Christmas or you're, like, traveling to and from family, um, go back and listen to our Christmas episode on Christmas. Um, it's it's about three hours long, so, so we have a lot we talked about there. We cover everything Christmas, Christmas music, Christmas food, um, Christmas movies, so it's 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 a fun episode. Do you, you like? Did you like the Christmas episode? I did like the Christmas episode, yeah. Yeah, it was cool. It was I liked your time. hat. Thank you, thank you, Matt. Yeah, if you get to watch the video, we were all dressed up. We had a, we had some good stuff going on. Snoop Dogg got dressed up. He had a Santa hat on. He had his ugly sweater. It was it was amazing. It was great. It was great. I think Snoop likes Christmas. You like Christmas, Snoop? Man, he's so wise. He just just gives me that look. Yeah. He's silent. Gives me the silent look. He's like, you know what? You know I fucking like Christmas, motherfucker. You know, Snoop is just. He does. He does. He's amazing. All right, so so that's all I got. You got anything else? Bring back the hot dog roller. Bring back the hot dog roller. Well, yeah, I'd have to get that from Mike, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see what's up. We'll, we'll have some more Snoop's dogs on uh, on episode two. So. And check check out the laws and tell me if it's any good or if I just uh, if I've lost my mind. Yes, there you go, there you go. Well, thank you very much for uh, for joining me today and doing a random record episode, and uh, I'm sure. Uh, at some point, we'll have more random record episodes in this uh, season one here, and so maybe we'll get you on again, or you know, for something else. Uh, maybe that's yep. in regular format, and we'll uh, we'll go from there. But I guess for now, it is time to. Move on. Move on.